I'm so proud of our students for knowing that story so well. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan. But before I read that to you, I invite you to bow your heads and join me in prayer. Gracious and loving God, we come to you now with open hearts, hopeful to hear your word. We pray by the grace of your spirit that the words we hear and the thoughts of our hearts will lead us to your will. For all of us as your church and for each of us as your children, dear God, we love you. We thank you for your love. Amen. So again, Luke chapter 10, beginning with verse 25. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you've given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when, when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Some of you know I've been a tad bit under the weather this week. Luckily, it's been the kind of under the weather where a trip to the doctor and a good prescription kind of takes care of it, and so I've been feeling a little bit better recently. But because my dad was a pharmacist, I learned a long time ago that it's really important to read those labels on your prescription medicine when you take your prescription. There's some medicine that uh, you're supposed to take it at night because it'll make you drowsy if you, if you take it during the day. There's other medicine that you have to take all throughout the day because it's only effective if you take it several times throughout the day. And there's other medicine like the medicine that I'm taking that uh, you have to take with food. The reason why you have to take it with food is because your body sometimes will not recognize the medicine, will, will make it sort of a hard pill to swallow, and so you disguise it with a little bit of food, and then it's easier to digest and easier to, to take in. Those hard pills to swallow are things that we have in other parts of our lives as well. Lessons that we try to learn, lessons that we try to teach each other. From time to time, we lessons that we try to teach our children. And, and some of those lessons can be told very direct to each other, but there are other times when those lessons go in one ear and out the other. And so we try to disguise them with little stories, with little anecdotes, with little personal revelations and personal histories so that people will maybe pause and listen to us. And, and hear what we're trying to say so that those lessons, as difficult as they might be, might be 
digestible, not as hard to swallow as they would be on their own. Jesus says that all throughout the Bible with his parables. In fact, Clarence Jordan, who wrote the, the Cotton Patch Gospels, he used to say that the parables of Jesus were like a Trojan horse. They were disguised. These, these difficult lessons were disguised in what seemed like a beautiful gift, a gift from God, a wonderful story that Jesus told, an anecdote from his life. But when you dug a little bit deeper into the story that Jesus was telling, it actually could be a very dangerous lesson, a very difficult lesson, something that was difficult for us to digest and difficult for us to understand. I think that happens in a lot of Jesus' parables. We read them all the time. We've been studying them the past few weeks. But many of those parables, with you dig, when you dig a little bit deeper, you discover that these are very difficult lessons for us to learn, difficult lessons for us to understand, and certainly very difficult lessons for us to follow. And that is certainly the case in the story of the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan has become really a, a passage that has, has really almost like a cliche in our world today. People, we call people Good Samaritans all the time. Anytime they do something nice for someone else, well, look at that Good Samaritan. But Jesus didn't mean for it to be a, a cliche or a simple little story. In fact, Jesus told this story to make some people squirm, to make them uh, feel a little uncomfortable. This is not a passage that's supposed to just inspire us about doing nice things for other people, but this is a passage that's supposed to challenge us, to challenge the people in Jesus' time and, and therefore challenge us as well. You know how, how the story begins. A lawyer comes to Jesus and, and it says he's trying to test Jesus. He's trying to test Jesus' knowledge of the law. And this is a lawyer who knows the Torah law, the law of the, of, of, of the temple and the law of the Jewish people. He's kind of like one of those Pharisees or Sadducees who knows the law very well. And so in trying to test Jesus, he asks Jesus a question that maybe many people in church would ask from time to time. What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus knows that this is a smart person. Jesus knows that he knows the answer already. And so he says, why don't you give me the answer? I think you know what the answer is. And sure enough, the lawyer says, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. We know these to be the two greatest commandments because Jesus says that in other places as well. And Jesus says, you're right, you've answered correctly, go and do likewise. But in true lawyer fashion, the lawyer says, hold on just a minute. We need to define these terms. I want to know exactly who the beneficiary is here of, of my love, of my support, of, of if I'm supposed to love my neighbor, just tell me exactly who my neighbor is supposed to be. Let's draw the boundaries of the neighborhood so I know where my love begins and where my love ends. And that's when things start to get a little more difficult. That's when Jesus sends in this Trojan horse, this pill that's tough to swallow. He tells this parable, the story of the Good Samaritan. You all know the story very well. In fact, uh, Vicki told it very well just a minute ago. A man is walking down the road from Jericho to Jerusalem. It's a, a road that the people would have known. It kind of lulls them into the confidence. Oh, we know that road. I've been on that road several times before. This road from Jericho to Jerusalem that could very well be a dangerous road from time to time. And they know and they've heard of this place, can probably even picture their times that they've been up and down this road. And they hear that a man has been beaten and robbed and, and mugged right there on the road, left for dead. That, again, would probably not be something that would be out of their minds because they would know that this could be a very dangerous road from Jericho to Jerusalem. But then they hear something that challenges them. The priest 
the Levite, the two people who should, should know the law better than anyone else, the people who have, have studied the law just like this lawyer, they come and pass by. They see the man sitting on the side of the road in the ditch and they, instead of stopping, instead of doing what the law requires, they pass right by. That certainly would be something that would challenge me as a, as a pastor and would challenge us as Christians. We know that's who we should be as, as Christians, as, as priests, as Levites ourselves, to stop and to help those people in need. But you know, when we think about it, the truth of the matter is that's not really the shocking part of this after all. You and I know that both, every single day, you and I both know that we pass by people who are in need time and again. We often see people out there on the street that we pass by. And the only reason why I'm willing to admit that to you, when we have people come up to our church and I stop and think, how much can we help them? Or, or have we helped them enough this month? It's because I know that all of you have experienced the same thing. We see people out there in the world and are overwhelmed by the problems of the world. And we pass people by every day. In fact, there's a sermon that uh, Tom Long told on this very passage where he, he told about an experiment that seminary students went through where they were taught, learning about the, the parable of the Good Samaritan themselves. And they were told that they were going to have to each teach and preach a little video sermon on the Good Samaritan. And they had a couple of nights to prepare. And then they, they came to class the next day. And, and when they got to class, each of them individually were told, actually, the video was going to take place on the other side of campus. And so they had to rush to the other side of campus in order to fulfill their requirement. But the professor on the way decided to hide somebody, dress somebody up as, as a person in need, someone sick, someone coughing, leaving them right there in the middle of the street as the, the students were heading quickly across campus. He wanted to see how many of the students would stop and help the person that was there in need. And he said very few of them, if any, stopped. In fact, one of the seminary students almost stepped over the person in need trying to get to their assignment, trying to get to their, the, the, new, the new class so that they could fulfill their requirement and do the things that they had to do on their schedule. And all of us have that in our, in our lives from time to time. We know there are people out there in need, but we also know there are things that we are obligated to do, things that we already have on our to-do list, things that God calls us to do every single day. And so in spite of those people out there in need, as overwhelming as those needs might be, we keep going, keeping our head down, just like that priest and that Levite. Now what's the difference between the priest and the Levite and that third person? Well, we know that third person is a Samaritan. I'm going to get to that part in just a minute. But what's the biggest difference between the priest and the Levite and this third person who for some reason decides to stop and help the person that's there in need? Well, when Martin Luther King Jr. preached on this, in fact, it was his very last speech right before he was assassinated in Memphis, Tennessee. He spoke about the Good Samaritan. He mentioned it in that last, that last speech. And this is what he said. He said the difference between the priest and the Levite and that third per person that, that chose to stop, that chose to help, was one simple question. Or in fact, maybe these two people and this person asked different questions. The first two people asked this question. When they saw that person laying there in need, they said, what will happen to me if I stop and help? It seems like a fairly reasonable question. I think I've asked that myself from time to time when I've seen people who are hurting. What will happen to me if I help? 
Will I waste my money on this person? Will I put myself in danger? Will I put my family in danger? Will I put my friends in danger? Will I put my job in danger if I stop and associate with this person in need? What will happen to me if I try to stop and help someone who is brokenhearted or downtrodden or in need? What will happen to me? Will I put my very life or my reputation in danger? Those are the questions that the priest and the Levite ask, and those seem like, well, fairly reasonable questions. But Dr. King said the third person asked a different question. The third person looked at the person in need and said, what will happen to that person if I don't stop and help? Just a simple flip of the script, a simple flip of that question on its head. What will happen to that person in need if I don't stop and help? And in doing that, in flipping that question on its head, that person, that third person, looks at the person in need and changes their, their identity from them to us. From someone else to one of mine. From a, a stranger to a neighbor. Just like that, by asking that question, what will happen to him if I don't help? And so the third person helps. The third person is willing to risk all those other things that the priests and the Levite were not willing to risk, all because this person was not a stranger. This person was a neighbor. This person was uh, one of those people that we're called to love as ourselves. That's how the third person was different than the first two people. And that's why it was shocking for the people of Jesus' time to hear that and maybe, just maybe, God is calling us to, to love other people truly, not as strangers, not as them, but as one of us. But now let's get back to that other identity, that identity of the Samaritan. You all know that Samaritans, if you've studied the Bible before, Samaritans and Jews were, were natural enemies. They, they detested each other. It was because the Samaritans didn't follow the law the way the Jews thought they should. They had decided to stray away from the law, stray away from the temple. They did things on their own, and so they were unclean people. These were people that, that the Jews, the priests and Levites would say, I should never associate with these people. I'm unclean if I associate with these people. When you'd hear a story, a parable about a, a Samaritan, you would naturally think that the Samaritan is the bad guy in the story. And once again, Jesus flips that on its head and tries to teach the people of Israel, tries to teach this lawyer, tries to teach each of us that maybe, just maybe, when we're trying to learn what it means to be a neighbor, we should try to stop and look at our enemy and see our neighbor in their eyes. To look at our enemy and see how they treat other people and maybe learn from them. To see our neighbor, see our enemy as our neighbor as an example of what it means to be a good neighbor in Christ. Some of you who have been to Montreat before have uh, probably seen the uh, chapel of the prodigal son that's there in Montreat. It's a part of Montreat College. It's a beautiful little chapel as a part of the college. And when you walk in, there's a beautiful fresco in there of the, the a painting of the prodigal son by a man named Ben Long. And we talked about the prodigal son last week. 
But Ben Long has done paintings all over North Carolina and South Carolina. He's even done a a painting of of the Good Samaritan. He did it at First Presbyterian Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. When you go into the church and you see that picture, it's a very simple painting. Another fresco on the wall there. And the priest and the Levite are not included in the painting at all. It's just a a picture of the the man who has been beaten and and torn down and and a donkey behind him and then a picture of another man who is there, the Samaritan trying to hold his head up and help him. And when Ben Long was asked, what was your inspiration for this painting? He said, well, I wanted the man who was beaten, who was robbed, who was torn down. I wanted him to look very nondescript, almost like any single person in the world. He could be anybody. He could be you. He could be me. I wanted you to be able to see yourself in in that person who was in that painting. But with the Samaritan, I wanted him to look familiar. I wanted the Samaritan to look like somebody you'd seen before. I wanted the Samaritan to somehow resemble Jesus. I wanted the Samaritan to look like Jesus Christ, that person who we despise and we reject should be the person of Jesus Christ. He wanted the Samaritan to be the person, the enemy of the Jews, to be the person that would also be the Savior of the Jews. That's why it's such a difficult passage, a hard pill for us to swallow, to be able to think that our enemies in the world have something to teach us about what it means to be a neighbor. At the end of the day, Jesus never really defines that neighborhood. He doesn't tell us where the boundaries are. He doesn't show us who we should love and who we shouldn't love. He just defines what it means to be a good neighbor. By showing us the Samaritan who's willing to sacrifice everything in his life, who's willing to pay for a person who is in need, who's willing to give everything for this person. And we are left to wonder, well, where do we draw the boundary? Where do we put the boundaries of our neighborhood? Well, the question for us is not a simple one. It's a hard pill to swallow. But maybe just maybe if we live like that Samaritan did, if we're willing to love our enemies and and put ourselves in danger, then that means that every single person we encounter, we should treat them like they are one of us. Treat them not like they're them, but like they're one of us. Not like they're a stranger, but like they're our neighbor. That's a difficult thing to do, no doubt. But then again, what will happen to them? if we don't help them. To the glory of God. Amen.